We're on a series, uh, How to Change Things. How to Change Things. And uh, this is part two. And I will just uh, do a little brief review and summary of what we talked about last time. Uh, we saw three principles that God uses to change things in the seen realm. Number one, God calls things that are not as though they were. Romans 4.17 In the Amplified it says, He calls the non-existent things as if they already existed. Number two, God has chosen things that are not seen to change things that are seen. 1 Corinthians 1.28 And the third scripture we looked at was 2 Corinthians 4.18 Things in the seen realm are temporary and they are subject to change, but things that are not seen are eternal and they are not subject to change. Circumstances are subject to change and they are subject to faith. We just heard some testimonies. Amen? God's word is not subject to change. It is eternal. 20 years from now, you can read 1 Corinthians 5.21. He that knew no sin was made to be sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God. It's still going to say that 20 years from now. It's never going to change. 20 years from now, you can still read uh, Psalm 107.20. He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. It's still going to say that 20 years from now. It's not going to change. 3 John 2, Beloved, I pray above all things that you prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. That's never going to change. So God's word is eternal. This was written thousands of years ago. Uh, you know, Psalm 107.20 was written thousands of years before Jesus even went to the cross. Uh, but in the heart and mind of God, healing was already accomplished. In the heart and mind of God, and God was speaking of the non-existent things as if they already existed. When he said, uh, you know, he sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. That's past tense. And healed them. It doesn't say he sent his word to heal them. It says he sent his word and healed them. As far as God's concerned, it's, it's accomplished. Now the devil has tried to change the word of God for thousands of years, but he can't. He can only deceive people into believing that it doesn't apply to them and that God didn't really mean what he said. And, and, and uh, Satan can go about that in many ways, but that's, how, that's the only way he, he, he can't really alter the word of God, but uh, he, he can operate through deception. We talked about the two realms of existence, the spiritual unseen realm, and the physical seen realm. Just because something is unseen doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. The spirit realm produced the physical realm. When you're dealing with faith, 
you are not dealing with the unknown, you're dealing with the unseen. So just write that in your front of your Bible or somewhere, you know, where um, that's prominent in your thinking. When you're dealing in faith, you're not dealing with the unknown, you're just dealing with the unseen. Faith is a substance, but you can't see it. And it will change what you can see. You can't see the wind, but you can see the effects of it, can't you? You can't see the wind, but I can raise that right there. And if you see the leaves blowing out there, that's the effects that the wind's blowing. But you can't see it. You can only see the effects of it. You can't see gravity, but you can see the effects of it. Just like the law of lift overrides the law of gravity because it's a higher law. Uh, the law of lift uh, operates when an airplane takes off the ground. And the way it works, the wings on the, the airplane force air downward. And as a result, the plane is forced upward. And that's how the law of lift works to, to override the pull of gravity on that airplane. So it's, it, basically, that's the way an airplane takes off. The law of faith overrides the law of sin and death because it is a higher law, and it is God's word over all matter. Faith is the divine energy of God, and it is contained in God's word. You get faith in your heart by hearing yourself speak God's word and depositing it in your heart. Romans 10.8 tells us that there is a connection between your mouth and your spirit. That's how you get the word of God uh, in, in your heart. That's how you get anything in your heart, whether it's good or whether it's bad. <laughs> it gets in there because there is a connection between your mouth and your spirit, and that's the way God created us. The way you release the faith in God's word is by speaking it. And in order to release your faith, you must speak to the circumstances. We looked at Genesis chapter 1, and we looked at Hebrews 11.3, where God released his faith by speaking words in order to create the heavens and the earth and everything in the earth. So if words of faith created things, words of faith can change things. We saw that God called things that are not as though they already were. The darkness that existed on the earth was temporary and subject to change. God used words of faith which are not seen to change the physical realm which is seen. Another principle, God spoke what he desired, not what he already had. He desired light, he already had darkness. He didn't talk about darkness anymore. He only spoke what he wanted. He didn't speak what he already had. And the fourth principle, God said it, before he saw it. He didn't see it, and, and then he said, now I got some light. 
He said, light when it was still darkness. We saw where God called Abram, the father of many nations, when he had no children. He wasn't the father of anybody. And God called him the father of many nations. What's he doing? He's calling the non-existent things as if they already existed. Hallelujah. So let's, that's just a little review and summary of what we talked about last time. So let's, let's carry on today uh, with this study. Now, um, I have this little set of books, the first five books of the Bible, in Hebrew and English. It's called the Humash or something like that. I'm sure Mika can pronounce it <laughs> properly, but it's called the Humash or something like that. Uh, and it's written in English and Hebrew together. And it's pretty difficult to read because you've got to read it backward because Hebrew is written from back to front. But um, in Genesis 2-7 where it says... Um, you don't have to turn there, but I'll just read it to you quickly. In Genesis 2-7, it says, uh, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. Now, that, um, I looked this up in this Humash writings, which also has a, um, a commentary by the rabbis on these first five books of the Bible. And they, they maintain that this, um, the term living soul in the original Hebrew of Genesis 2, 7, it says man became a speaking spirit. That's what it actually says in, uh, in Hebrew. Man became a speaking spirit. It says... Uh, when God created man and he blew into his nostrils the soul of life, life and man became a living being. It's, the, the rabbinical writings say a speaking spirit. And they go on to say the life which is unique to man and which only God could blow into him is the rational soul that includes the power of intelligent speech. This is what elevates a human above animal life. Now, um, I, I don't want to get off on this, but just from a biological, uh, anatomical point of view, uh, what really makes man a higher order than animals is the cerebral cortex of the brain okay and that's the gray matter of the brain that covers the outside of the brain and that's where the reasoning and perception and language skills the, the speaking ability is all incorporated in that cerebral cortex which is you've probably heard of gray matter and white matter of the brain well it's the gray matter that covers the outside so anatomically that's what really distinguishes man from animals. Now, we know there are some birds that can talk, can't they? <laughs> but they don't believe anything, do they? <laughs> they don't believe what they're saying. All they can do is imitate 
like they hear somebody in the room say that, that they're not originating anything. They're just repeating what they heard somebody else say. So, so man, we were created a speaking spirit in the likeness and image of God. But when Satan got involved and man became spiritually united with him, Satan began to train man to speak destruction instead of life. Now, in the Genesis account of creation, the Holy Spirit was present. Uh, it says he was hovering over the water, but yet nothing was happening. Nothing changed. The, the darkness was still there. But nothing changed until God said something. When God spoke something, that's when the change began to take place. Now the Holy Spirit had something to work with. The Holy Spirit was there waiting on God to say something. And the Holy Spirit and the angels are waiting on us to say something in faith that they can bring to pass. Amen? They're not, Amen. They're not bringing to pass this, you know, uh, I can't do this and I'm so poor and I'm so broke and you know nothing ever works for me and all this they're not bringing that junk to pass they're waiting for something they're waiting for you to say something in faith that they can bring to pass the, the Bible says the angels hearken to the voice of God's word now I mentioned um, Romans let's turn to Romans 10 that's a good faith chapter Romans 10 verse uh, 8 uh, says but what saith it the word is nigh thee even in thy mouth and in thy heart that is the word of faith which we preach Faith must be in two places, in your mouth and in your heart. And if faith is not in two places, the ingredients are not there to release your faith. It's just like in order to have a thunderstorm, you got to have all the right conditions in the atmosphere. you, you, you got to have all the right ingredients for that thunderstorm to, to take place. And in order for... for uh, you to release your faith, you got to have faith in your mouth and in your heart. It can't just be in one or the other. It's got to be in both places. We have not only been redeemed from sin, sickness, and lack. We have been redeemed into some things. Through the cross of Calvary and Jesus' resurrection, we have already been redeemed into healing. We've already been redeemed into abundance. We've already been redeemed into right standing with God. Now, up in verse 6 there of Romans 10, it says, But the righteousness which is of faith speaketh on this wise. What does the righteousness of faith say? The righteousness of faith speaks and calls the non-existent things as though they already existed. But if you continue to speak what you already have and call things that are as though they are, 
you are reinforcing the very circumstances you want to change. What Paul's saying here is, you don't have to go to heaven and get Jesus to come back down here and put his hand on you to heal you. You don't have to go up to heaven and get God to come down here and do anything. The word is as close to you as in your heart and in your mouth. It's just the same as if Jesus said it. Jesus is the word. So you having the word in your heart and your mouth is just the same as if Jesus did come down here. But we don't have to get him to come back down here to change our situations. We've got the word in our heart and in our mouth. That's what Paul's telling us. Uh, Charles Capps uh, once you know, had the, the, the Lord say a very profound statement to him. He said, I have told my people they can have what they say, but they are saying what they have. And boy, I tell you what, that, that's one of the most powerful statements. I mean, talking about saying a hundred words in ten, that's, that's it mm. right there. If you continue to say what you have, you're going to keep what you have. Uh, some of you may have heard of Norval Hayes. He's a good uh, faith preacher and... He, the Lord uses him in other ways in deliverance ministry and so forth, but he's a good faith preacher. And uh, I've probably mentioned it before, but he was preaching somewhere and a lady came up to him at the end of the service. She'd been diagnosed with cancer and she had about three months to live. And he didn't say that he prayed. He didn't even pray for her. He just said, lady, if you can get your heart and your mouth straightened out, you can live. And so she went home and she decided, you know, that she was going to spend her last days getting her heart and her mouth straightened out. And so she did. And I think he gave her some material and, you know, uh, maybe some tapes and things to help her. But she was serious about it. And she went home and all day, every day, she canceled her appointments. She didn't have anybody come visit her, especially people that didn't understand what she was doing and weren't faith and word people. She canceled her appointment. She turned off the TV. She threw away the newspaper and all day long she said, Cancer, you're not going to kill me. I will live and not die and declare the works of the Lord. You can't kill me. You're not going to kill me. By the stripes of Jesus, I was healed all day long, every day. She said that. And several months later, she began to improve. She, be she began to get a little bit better. And uh, nine months later, she was well. And she was taking words that are not seen, and she was bringing to nothing the things that were seen in her body. The Word of God drove every cancer cell right out of her body. If you've ever uh, read the book by Dodie Osteen, her testimony, she did the same thing. Uh, she had been given five weeks to live. And uh, they just sent her home, didn't offer her any treatment or anything. And uh, she, she just went to the Bible and wrote down all the healing scriptures she could find, and she just started confessing them. Of course, she had a lot of people praying for her as well. But uh, she's still alive today, and if you watch Joel Osteen's show, you see her sitting on the front row. And that's been probably, what, 20 years ago. So 
she, you know, she did the same thing. She she drove that right out of her body. And you know how to do that too, don't you, Ann? Mm -hmm. Amen. <laughs> As a man thinks, so is he. Yeah, amen. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So she replaced sickness with the promises of God. Now, this is not the ideal way to do it. You know? Uh, wait until... Sometimes people wait till they've had a bad report and sometimes even a death sentence to get started. And that is a hard, hard way to turn a boat around in, in, in the middle of a storm. That's not the ideal time to, to start trying to put the Word of God in your heart and in your mouth when you've never done it before and all of a sudden you're facing this mountain. It's, it's, and sometimes people leave it too late. And that's the, one of the answers to to the question, you know, some sometimes people say, well, I just don't understand why that person died. They were a Christian, you know. They believed in healing. Sometimes they just leave it too late, you know. And that the thing has already progressed so far down the road mm -hmm. that that they can't get the word in their heart, in their mouth, in their mouth, in their heart, uh, in abundance to turn and shift. To, and shift that thing and drive it out of their body. Sometimes there's just not enough time to, to do it. Uh, and, and unless there's a miracle involved, uh, you know, it's just very difficult to turn it around. But this lady was diligent, and she was able to turn it around. Hallelujah. Let's say this together. My body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. My body's in perfect chemical balance. My body is perfect chemical balance. Therefore I charge my body. Therefore I charge my body. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. To be healed and made whole. To be healed and made whole. Amen. Amen. Charles Capps has another saying. If you want the dog, don't call the cat. Now that should be pretty self-explanatory, shouldn't it? If you, if you can't see the dog, that's what you call for, isn't it? If you can see the cat, you don't need to call the cat. You already got the cat. So if, you, if, you're, if you're having symptoms of sickness, you don't need to call more sickness. You already got it. You need to call for what you cannot see, and that's healing. Amen? Now... The word call means to summons. And it's like a legal term uh, where you are summons to, to appear in court. Uh, and you can't get out of that very easy. You gotta have a really, really good reason legally uh, not to appear in court. So that's where the word call come. It means to summons. You hear by, I hereby summons you to appear to me. Now, let's use another example to explain this principle of calling things that are not as though they were. Let's use an example that all of us can understand. We, we can all understand the, the dog and the cat law. Let's uh, think of this in terms of an elevator, okay? Let's say uh, out here there's an elevator, and uh, I desire to go to the second floor. I'm standing on the ground floor. Now, if I want to get to the second floor, do I go to the 
what, first of all, I gotta go to the elevator and what do I do? I gotta call the elevator to come to me, okay? Now in order, if that elevator's, let's say on the fifth floor, I gotta call that elevator to come up here to me because I want it, okay? So, do I go, let's say the elevator comes, the door opens, I walk in. What happens if I push the ground floor button? I'm calling things that are as though they are, aren't I? I'm gonna stay right where I am and nothing's gonna change. And I can yell, I can beat on the door, I can kick it, I can get mad, I can, you know, uh, beat up on it and nothing's gonna happen and somebody from the desk out here can come say what's the problem? And I said this elevator is broken. It doesn't work Well, what's the problem? Well, I'm trying to get to the second floor Well, have you pushed the button to the second floor? Oh, no, I, I haven't pushed the button to the second floor. I mean, I, I wouldn't want to lie about it and say I'm on the second floor when I'm not, because I'm not on the second floor. I'm on the ground floor. Now, do you see what people are doing in the area of healing? They, they want to be well, but they keep talking sickness, and that's like wanting to be on the second floor, and you continue to push the ground floor button because they think they got to call it the way it is. If I'm on the ground floor, I got to push the ground floor button. If I'm sick, I got to say I'm sick. If I'm sick, I can't see I can't say I'm healed. Well, if you're on the ground floor, you can say you're not you're not saying you're on the second floor. That's where you desire to be. And where you desire to be is what you got to push. Okay? Now, you don't push the button for where you are. You push the button for where you want to be. Amen? If you want to be blessed, you got to push the blessing button. Amen? And not, you know, not the poor mouth button. You don't call things that are the way they are. You got to call for what you desire. Amen? Now, so when you are sick, you cannot see healing. And that's what you call for by speaking God's word concerning healing. You have to call for what you cannot see. And this is a way you put into motion the law of faith, which overrides the law of sickness. If you continue to say, I have arthritis, I have high blood pressure, I have high diabetes, you know, the doctor said this and that. You're calling things that are as though they are, and you're going to keep what you already have. And that's like the person on the ground floor that keeps pushing the ground floor button, and they really want to go to the second floor. Now, we can all understand how an ele elevator works. And when you break it down into an elevator, it is so obvious. But when you take that principle and you apply it to spiritual things, all of a sudden, People just look at you like they are totally baffled, and, and, the, and they don't get it. But it's the very same principle. So, it, it's very obvious how the laws of God work. Hallelujah. What you confess and what you speak must be based on God's Word. You can't just make up something or desire something 
that's contrary to the written Word of God. You have to go to the Word of God and find out what God has already promised concerning your situation. You can't just copy what someone else is saying. You have to go to the Word of God and you have to take it as God speaking to you personally. You can't just base your actions on somebody else's experience. You know, it's like people, they, you know, they hear these testimonies. Well, you know, I gave my car away and, and, you know, two weeks later, somebody knocked on my door and wanted to give me a new one. Well, you better not do that unless God's told you to give your car away. You know what I mean? You can't just do it because somebody else did it and have it work. You do it because God told you to do it and it will work. Amen? So, uh, sometimes, you know, this is why you hear people say, well, I tried that and it didn't work. Well, they're just copying what somebody else, what somebody else did. God's Word is the power source. It has the power in itself to bring itself to pass. When you start speaking God's promise, you may not believe it at that point. Phase one of speaking and confessing God's word is to get it down in your heart. That's phase one of speaking and confessing God's word. At that point, you probably don't believe it's coming to pass. Until your heart gets full of the word and faith comes, your circumstances are not going to be affected much at that point. That's why when you start speaking the word of God, it's not really uh, doing anything about your circumstances at that point. It, it hadn't, it, it's, uh, it's just getting in your heart at that point. But when your heart gets full of it, and you, be, you begin to believe what I say is coming to pass, that's when it goes to work on your circumstances. And I'm telling you what, they're going to crumble and they're going to fall at your feet. Amen? Uh, you just got to get... Once you start thinking it, mm -hmm. it gets right down. Yeah. You start thinking and thinking and thinking. Yeah. And that's scriptural, Anne. That is uh, Romans 8... Um, that is Romans 8, 5. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. What you put your mind on op opens your spirit to that thing. Your, your, whatever you fix your mind on opens your spirit to that thing, whether it's good or whether it's bad. And that's what this is saying. They that 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 they're if they're uh, they that are after the flesh put their mind on the things of the flesh, but those that put their mind on the spirit the things of the spirit. So, like you said, what, what uh, when you think about it, yeah. you're opening your spirit to that thing. Yeah. So if you if somebody can do that on the bad side by putting the wrong stuff. Think, put their mind on the wrong things. Yeah. They could do it with the Word of God. Amen? Yeah. Hallelujah. Amen. That's right. That's right. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's say this together. I'm the head and not the tail. I'm the head and not the tail. I'm above and not beneath. I'm above and not beneath. If God be for me, 
Who can be against me? For poverty he's given me wealth. For sickness he's given me health. For death he's given me eternal life. I delight myself in the Lord. And he gives me the desires of my heart. Amen. It takes some time to get your heart full of the word and reach the point where you believe what you say is coming to pass. And isn't that what Jesus said in Mark 11? And believe that those things which he says shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. So it's just a matter of getting the word in your heart in abundance to, and, and you begin to believe that what I'm saying is going to come. This thing is going to come to pass. Amen. Listen to CDs over and over in the car, at home, you know, uh, websites, however you prefer to get it. Speak the word out loud. Faith comes faster when you hear yourself saying it. Faith comes by hearing and speaking God's word. This is simple, but it seems difficult because the world and everything around us is speaking something else. That's why it seems like we're going upstream in a downstream world because the whole world is going in a negative flow away from the things of God. Um, I think last time we looked at Genesis, uh, Genesis 15, 2, where, uh, you know, Abram went back to God and said, Lord, what, what about this, you know, me having a son, you know, see, he said, seeing I go childless. He, he kept seeing himself not having kids. And, and he was really struggling with his promise because, you know, uh, he, he just couldn't see it. And that's an that's a, a important part of faith. You got to be able to see yourself with it instead of without it. But Abram had some disadvantages, uh, uh, some big disadvantages in developing his faith. That where we have a great advantage over him. He did not have the New Testament to read. Uh, he did not even have the written word of God. He had to just depend on God appearing to him once every 10 years or something, you know, and, and speak a word to him. And that might be it for another five years, you know. There were no Christian bookstores, no CDs, no books, no tapes, no faith teachers, no believers meetings to go to. This is why it took him a long time to get his faith developed. Another reason Satan had not been defeated. Satan was ruled this, this earth. He had all authority over the earth at that time before Jesus came. And, uh, and the Old Testament believers had virtually no revelation about Satan anyway. And there really wasn't any reason for God to reveal Satan to them because they couldn't have done anything about it anyway. You know, They had no authority to, over Satan anyway. So there really wasn't any reason for God to, to deal with them about Satan. God had to turn Abram's believing around by changing his name in Genesis 17, by showing him the stars in Genesis 15, 
And in Genesis 13, he said, look at the sand. You know, can you count the sand? So, so shall your seed be. Look, look at the sand. Look at the stars. He's trying to use physical things to, to build an image on the inside of him that he's the father of many nations. And he's having to use physical external things to do this. So, so that's why it was, you know, it took a while to do this. But he came to the point where he believed he was the father of many nations. Instead of believing he was childless, and he stopped talking about the problem. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. In Genesis 17, we said God changed his name to father of many nations. So every time somebody called his name, they didn't say Abram anymore. They said Abraham. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. He heard father of many nations, father of many nations, father of many nations. And that began to get built in on the inside of him so he could begin to see himself that way. You are a believer and you either believe something is or you believe it is not. And these people that say, well, I just don't believe in anything. You know, I just don't believe there's a God. I don't believe anything. They're believing something, all right. They're believing there's not a God, you know. So every human being, God has placed inside every human being, every spirit, a believing mechanism. And we either believe something is or we believe it's not. There's no such thing as non-belief. And the only thing that will turn your believer around is God's word. Keep putting it in your mouth and your heart until faith begins to come. And then when it comes out of your mouth and heart with faith behind it, it becomes a two-edged sword. And that's when it begins to take an effect on the outward circumstances. And don't be moved by the outward circumstances because uh, it, it may be your faith is eating away at the inside of that mountain, not, not the external bit. It, it's eating away at the inside of that mountain. And if you just look at the, the outward, you think nothing's happening. You know, and, and you, you, that's why we don't, we don't look at what's seen and we don't get moved by, by what we see. We got to have the eye of faith and we got to believe my faith is working on the inside of that mountain. And one day that shell will just collapse outside and nothing outside ever changed until everything on the inside, you know, that that hole inside that mountain it just collapsed so don't be don't just focus on the outside circumstances we're, we're not led by circumstances the word of god is not a two-edged sword sitting on your coffee table it only becomes a two-edged sword when it comes out of your mouth and out of your heart with the faith of god in it amen it is the sword of the spirit realm that will cut Satan to pieces if he doesn't get out of the way. And it will change anything it is applied to. When you say God's word, it's just the same as if God said it. And the devil won't know whether it's you or God as long as you keep that armor on and keep the faceplate pulled down so he can't see who's in there. Amen?
he all he sees in the spirit realm is God's armor and he doesn't know whether that's you or whether it's God and he just better not take a chance you know that it might be somebody else in there you know but some people they lift up the face plate and they they say oh it's just me you know it's just me and the devil says oh that's not god i can run over them you know they don't know what belongs to them you know so keep that face plate pulled down and and just keep satan guessing because he sees the armor of god and that's that's that shield of faith and that's what that's what uh, he has respect for Hallelujah. Let's look at Joel 3. It's uh, kind of toward the back of the New Testament. I mean, Old Testament. Joel 3. Everybody say, I'm getting it. I'm getting it. Amen. I got it. <laughs> That's even better, Anne. <laughs> That's even better. <laughs> Joel 3, verse 10. Beat your plowshares into swords and your pruning hooks into spears. Let the weak say, I am strong. Underline the word say. I think in this study, we've already seen approximately 11 times in the word, uh, the word say or said or speak. It's all over the Bible. We are a speaking spirit. This principle runs through the whole Bible. It doesn't say let the weak say I'm weak. Doesn't say call things that are as though they are. You call for what you desire. Let the weak say, I am strong. This principle runs through the whole Bible. This is not the only principle involved in walking by faith and living in victory, but it is the foundation and a vital spiritual principle. Uh, does it say, let the sick say I'm sick? No, that's not what it's teaching. Let the discouraged say I'm discouraged. No. Does it say call things that are as though they are and they'll just change anyway? No. Does it say, uh, you know, well, God really knows what I mean, so he'll just do what he thinks I mean. No. Does it say that? The weak are supposed to say I'm strong. The weak are supposed to call things that are not as though they were. We have to call for what we don't have. And we use things that are not to bring to nothing the, um, the things that are seen. That's the way we change the things that are seen. Uh, let's turn uh, to Psalm 103. I mentioned this scripture earlier, but uh, Psalm 103. <clears throat> Psalm 103:20 Bless the Lord ye his angels that excel in strength that do his commandments hearkening unto the voice 
of his word. We not only have the Holy Spirit, God has already dispatched countless multitudes of angels to the earth who have been assigned to minister for us on our behalf. You can also find that in Hebrews 1.14. But you have, to, uh, you have to say something that they can bring to pass. You have to order your words in line with God's word to license the angels to go perform it. Jesus has been raised from the dead to see to it that our words come to pass when they are based on God's word. Jesus is the high priest of our confession. Hebrews 3 verse 1. So the angels are waiting for you to speak words of life. When we put the law of faith into motion and say what God says, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, the angels are assigned to see to it that those words come to pass. Let's say this together. I'm keeping the word of God in my mouth. I'm keeping the word of God in my mouth. I don't care what I see. I don't care what I see. I don't care what they tell me. I don't care what they tell me. I don't care what I feel. I don't care what I feel. Amen. Some people say, well, I, you know, I can't say I have something if I can't see it first. Well, that's, that's no faith. I mean, that's just absolutely no faith. Uh, can you believe your name's written in the book of life? Yeah. Yeah? No problem with that, do you? Anybody in here ever seen that book? Uh, no. Anybody here ever been to heaven and seen the book? No. But we can all believe that. What, what, what's the only evidence we have for that? Well, we've got two evidences, really. We got this. We've got God's Word is evidence. Uh, in Hebrews, it talks about uh, faith is the title deed. That where it talks about the substance of things hoped for. I think it's Amplified says it's the title deed. We have the written Word of God for it. And we also have the Holy Spirit within us. Uh, it says, uh, what, Romans 8, 16, I think, the Holy Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. So we've got the written word that we're the children of God and heaven is our home. And we've got the witness of the Holy Spirit within us that we are the children of God. So our faith is developed in that area. That's why we don't struggle with that area. But, but we have to, uh, you know, so that, that just proves that we're capable of believing something that we cannot see. So when people say, well, I just can't believe something I, I can't see. Well, they can. They just don't have their faith developed in that area yet. And we've got to take the Word of God and develop our faith in all these other areas of life just like we've developed it concerning our eternal destiny. So, uh, you know, when you, when you tell someone you're, you're saved or someone asks you if you're saved, your mind doesn't argue with you about that. It's renewed in that area. It, it doesn't jump up and say, well, maybe you're not. You know, it doesn't argue with you because it's renewed. 
And, and that's, that's how you know it's renewed, because it doesn't jump in there and argue with you. So, uh, we, we have to get our mind renewed and in line with the Word of God. When you say, by the stripes of Jesus, I'm healed, and your mind jumps in and says, no, you're not. Look at your body. You know, uh, what about your feelings? You, you got to bring your, uh, your mind and your flesh in agreement with God's Word. So, that's, that's kind of another sermon, but it's, it's important in this area. So, your, uh, your mind has to re be renewed in that area, and it will begin to agree with the Word of God, and it will stop arguing with you. You're going to have to put the Word in your spirit, through your eyes, your ears, your mouth, until you can't think of anything else but that. So, you can believe something, that you, that you can't see. How do you know heaven's a real place? Well, we have God's word for it. We have the Holy Spirit. When you speak God's word, you're releasing spiritual forces which go forth and bring to naught the things which you can see. God's word is our evidence. The evidence of things faith is the substance of things hoped for the evidence of things what not seen amen the evidence of things not seen so if you were saying you you are healed based on how you look or how you feel it might be a lie <laughs> you know it, but you're not saying it based on how you look you're not saying it based on how you feel. You're saying it based on what this book says about you. Amen? So if you're saying it based on that, it's got to be the truth. It cannot be a lie. This is the highest form of truth. So don't let the devil or your carnal mind con you into thinking that you're telling a lie. God's word, word is true. What you say is based on this word. It's the highest form of truth. Satan just wants to get you off the word uh, because he knows that he, if he cannot change your confession of God's word, that you're, what you're saying is going to come to pass. He cannot stop that. The things that are seen are temporary and subject to change. Uh, the things which are not seen are eternal. 1 Peter 2.24, By the stripes of Jesus you were healed. You turn to that six months from now, it's still going to say you were healed. You turn to it a year from now, it's still going to say you were healed. Uh, it's never going to change. That's why God's Word is eternal. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I think we're going to stop there today because uh, that's a good stopping place. And, and we're going to begin to talk about uh, the ministry of Jesus I think next time. Could I just say 